Okay. Well, today we'll be looking, inshallah, at a dream of the Prophet that Ibn Arabi had. So we'll look at that and and I'll kind of put in some more of his passages to interpret the dream some more because uh, he does interpret it, but we need even more. So I've gone to other places in the Futuhat to give us an explanation of what's happening. So, okay. Um, so if Aisha could uh, lead us in the Fatiha. Okay, thank you. So, so I'll, I'll start with the, the first part of the dream and then we'll have Klaus give us the poetry here, the poem. So Ibn Arabi starts this passage. Learn, my friend, that on the night I recorded what remains of this alighting place. So this is when he's writing about each of the surahs, one after the other. And this one is Ashams, which is the 91st surah. And he, he's writing about the territory, what you see and what you find and what you learn when you come into this fenced-in area. Because the suar, the suar and the surat are these fenced-in areas. So part, he saw part of its abundant blessing was when I saw a messenger of God, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and he was lying down on his back. And he was saying, it behooves the slave to see the tremendous majesty of God in everything, even to the wiping of the shoes and wearing gloves. Okay, so Klaus, uh, if you could give us that poem. A beauty, but not love. A shining radiance, but not seen. The kernels witness who in a way they do not realize. But the sights do not perceive of who any, but that one the intellects endowed with a command declared was who, transcendent, beyond. If you say beloved, you have not misspoken. And if you say seen, then that is what I perceive too. There is thereafter no beloved except two. And in fact, Sulema and Layla and the synapse belong to the curtain. So there are curtains draped down. And there has come with that a poem about the impassionate ones and prose, like Machnoon and Layla and the one before him, like Bishul and Hind. My chest becomes tight from citing them.
your I'm sorry. So we'll be looking at the Jamal and Jalal. So Jamal beauty. And so I am beautiful. I am beauty and I love beautiful things. Um, and so this is the idea of beauty and all is beautiful. And then Jalal is something that there's a Jalal of the Jamal. So we'll be looking at that. And that Jalal, the hint is we're, that we're already reaching this idea of Jalal is in, it behooves the slave to see the tremendous majesty of God in everything, even to the wiping of shoes and wearing gloves. So that means the tremendous majesty on, is here in the lowest things, in the simplest things, in the most daily things. So that's this idea of Jalal. And Jalal carries with it its own antonym. So Jalal is tough and coarse and hard, and also its opposite, easy and flexible and smooth. So we're looking at both. It's also high, tremendous majesty, and very low, wiping up the shoes and wearing gloves. So then he continues with this description of the dream. I was seeing on his Sallallahu Wasallam feet, two black sandals, new, and on his hands, gloves. It was, as he, it was if he was gesturing to me, delighted with what I had set down in writing about this alighting place, about the surah number 91, Ashant. The knowledge of what is merited by the Jalal of God. So he's, what he's talked about, about the Jalal of God, the Jalal Allah, this is what uh, he, Ibn Arabi feels that he's been gestured to, that the Prophet is pleased with what he has written there. And so the Jalal has that, the antonyms, has the opposites here. So Jalal is an epithet of the divine, which produces fear and magnification. So the fear is, you know, fear, all veneration. And magnification is saying it is so much greater than you might think, or you might see, or you might experience. So magnification then is it's so much greater. And one of the most strange and, and wondrous properties is that it goes from the force of nothing like him. So completely transcendent, there's nothing like him. And glory to your Lord, a Lord of mighty inaccessibility. And exalted is your Lord beyond what they ascribe to him. So all of these transcendent, beyond, fearful, magnified uh, character. And it has the force of his word on the tongue of his messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I was sick and you visited me not. I was hungry and you did not feed me. And I was thirsty and you did not bring me water. So Allah lowers himself to the place of someone who has this quality, lowers himself to be hungry and sick and thirsty and lowers himself to the sky of this world in the third part of the night. And so this great exaltation and raising and magnification is a counterpoint to the great lowering and um, becoming low and down and hungry and sick and thirsty. And so we have the other descriptions of this descent 
that Allah describes himself as, spacious enough for me is the heart of my slave. So this slave's small heart is spacious enough for Allah. And then he delights in the repentance of his creature. The way that someone who has lost their camel in the middle of the desert finds delight when they find, the, find her and then can ride home. And the wonder at the youthful person, the young person who has no youthful folly, this is wonder, I'm shocked, I'm wondering, I'm amazed. And his cheerfulness for the one who comes to the mosque for prayer. And this is from the Hadith Qudsi. No Muslim takes a place in the mosque for the sake of prayer and dhikr without God receiving him joyfully, just as the family of an absent man receives him joyfully when he returns. So this and all of it are part of the transcendental, transcendental names and descriptions and the, the similar and comparable qualities. And they provide this polar opposite of Jalal in the name Al-Jalil. So when we say Jalal Allah or the Jalal name of Allah, we are combining the transcendent names with the similar and lower and comparable and creation-based names. And if you notice when you're looking at the schools of thought, the theologians of this midnight period, they're very strict about making Allah only transcendent and they don't really know what to do with the Hadith Qudsi, these other, when Allah speaks in such a familiar and descended way. And they don't want anything to do with the prophet who is a human being to be next to Allah. So they don't want to see the name Allah and Rasulullah on the same line because they're trying to make Allah so, so very transcendent. So they talk about the Jalal of Allah. But the Jalal name Allah, Allah encompasses all of these names. And Adam and Eve are taught all of these names. So Ibn Arabi says, by respect, we don't, we don't take things that Allah does and say that they are his names, even though they are his names. So Allah is nothing is like him, glory beyond what they ascribe. And Allah is also the one who is, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. And I descend to the, the, the sky of this world in the third part of the night. So Allah has both these names. So Jalal includes these two opposites. And, it become, and so this is being able to see and experience and recognize these two opposites is a very special a quality, very special way. And it is very much different or graduated from the midnight position where Allah is only transcendent. And uh, Aisha, if you could read the, the by the sun uh, part here. وَالنَّهَارِ إِذَا جَلَّاهَا وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا يَغْشَاهَا وَالسَّمَاءِ وَمَا بَنَاهَا وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا طَهَاهَا By the sun and her splendor, by the moon as he follows her, by the day when he makes her radiate brilliantly, by the night when he conceals her, and by the sky and her wonderful structure, 
and by the earth and her vast expanse. Okay, beautiful. So you can see where Ibn Arabi was, as he was exploring this fenced-in area, uh, that he began to write things about Jalal. And we even have the name Jalalha. So this Jala, this is Tajalli and Jalla, and then all of those at the end are ha. And so this is the feminine pronoun. So it's very crucial to keep that feminine pronoun all the way through instead of it, it, it's <laughs> the way that people often do in English. So to continue with this dream he's having, then he was saying, as long as the full moon has risen to view, the souls are asleep in the two gardens and they are in their arbors safe and secure. But when it is dark and the full moon has not risen, there is fear of thieves. So it behooves the human being to enter the city wary of the thieves. So this is what he hears in the dream from the Prophet And this is how he understood it while he was dreaming actually. I was understanding from him with this statement that he meant the souls, that when the vision of the true is predominant in them, they are true by him and in him. So this is for the one who enters the gardens of recognition of Allah and the word about his Jalal in its various kinds and the multiplicity of its varieties. So the back and forth, the, the opposites, the polars. So he likened the true to the full moon and he likened what the gardens enclosed, their different kinds of fruit, to what the divine presence encloses, such as recognition of the divine names and adjectives of the Jalal and tremendous majesty. So the adjectives of the Jalal include transcendental ones and similar and comparable ones. And again, this ties back to, uh, so when we are in the light of the full moon, and this also then means when we are in the third part of the night, then we are safe in these two gardens. And we are safe in the garden of transcendence and safe in the gardens of comparable and similar. And we're safe in these two gardens. But when it's midnight and there is no moon, so this is the period before us, when it's midnight and there is no moon, then we need to be afraid and fearful of the thieves. So we need to go into the city. So in the midnight, if there's no moon, we are in danger and we go into the city. Now, do we everyone see where we're going with all this? <laughs> okay, so midnight. I understood this while sleeping. His saying, when the full moon is hidden, that is this. Hidden then from them is a vision of the true in the things. So they no longer see that the true is in all things. So they're no longer seeing that the beautiful is in all things that are beautiful. And I am beautiful and I love beautiful things. I am beauty and I love the things of beauty. And being present with him and having an intention purely devoted to him. So when Allah the Rabb is in the third part of the night in the sky of this world, then he's present with us. And we are. it's easy to be purely devoted to him. But in the midnight, when there's no moon, then it's very difficult to see that the true is in all things. Because now we see good and bad, 
we see things that Allah doesn't like and oppression and, and disease and all of these things. And we don't see that there's the true in all things. And when we're in the midnight, we are not present with him because the glow from his beloved prophet has long gone and we're not yet in the third part of the night and the dawn is far off. And it's difficult to have an intention which is purely devoted to him because we see all of these things happening, all these forces and like forces of good that we need, nourishment. And we think that these nourishments become everything. We don't realize the nourishment is coming from Allah. So we get, we need, it's difficult to be purely devoted to the divine. And this is the darkness of ignorance and the forgetting of God and the misstep into error. So he's talking about the midnight, what happens to us? And so when we're in the situation in the midnight, it's necessary for people to go into the city. Okay. And then he's going to continue. And by fear of the thieves, he meant the confusion when all things look the same. So when all, everything looks the same, it becomes confusing, which is a place of going astray, a mishap of which one knows not whence it come, has come befalling the people of thinking-based examination and the people of kash based on images. So the people of thinking-based examination, they can use their brain to see that if this is the creation of Allah, then everything is Allah's creation, then everything is going to look the same because it's all created by Allah. So they can, you can get that way with your brain. And you can also get that way with kash, this disclosure, intuition, or, or discovering things. You can begin to see that everything is the same. It's all the same. And that is a confusion. In, in the midnight, it's a confusion. So he cited this, fearful for the souls when they get scattered about during the discourse on what is merited by the true side. So when they hear about Jalal, and they hear that Jalal is both transcendent and similar, exalted and low, then they get scattered about because they can't understand how this can happen. And the people of the midnight, then they can start looking at the people who are the lovers or the people who are in the third part of the night. And you'll hear them, the lovers say, it's all the same. They're all beautiful. And these are experiences that are true experiences because if Allah says, I am beautiful and I love the beautiful things, then, then this means that all of these things that he loves are beautiful. And if we are beautiful, then we love Allah because Allah is beautiful. And so we can get into an experience of it's all the same and they're all beautiful and it's all beautiful and it's all good. And so the people at midnight, when they hear that, they get confused. They're saying, why are these people saying that it's all the same? And so there is this, they have a, they have a point. They have in the midnight, having such a position is a confused position. But in the third part of the night, having such a position is the position of the lovers. And it's a quite different situation. So let's continue with that. The, his dream. So then let them enter the city means let them go to the sheltered arbor to be safe from this, protected by the literal 
outward law. And let them stay close to the community. They are the people of the land. And indeed, the hand of God is with the community. So here, Ibn Arabi is taking this as when they are in the midnight and everything looks the same, and therefore they're getting confused and they can't distinguish uh, levels and they can't distinguish the transcendent from the similar. And so they all want to say it's all transcendent, it's all transcendent then when they get into the situation, best for them to be protected by the outward literal law and stay close to the community, the people of the land. So the people of the land in Ibn Arabi means often Mecca, but it could also mean as with Medina. And as we talked about in the first few centuries, the people said, let's just follow the people of Medina, follow their law, the way they interpret the law, and that way we'll be safe. And Ibn Abi is in a sense saying, when you are in the midnight, best to follow what the people of the land are doing. What are the people of Mecca and Medina doing? Let's follow what they do. Because we don't have the glow from the Prophet and we don't have the glow from the dawn, and we're not in the third part of the night. Then I saw him وسلم, trembling with a great quivering in his limbs on account of the greatness of the delight he was experiencing in the recognition, this alighting place encompass, this verse, uh, these verses from the Surah Al-Shams, 91. And it was as if we were in a night with the full moon rising until it was if we were under the full moon in the daytime. So it's so bright, midnight sun is riding, rising, the mystic cave is full of light until it was if we were under the full moon in the daytime. So no more confusion uh, of that all things look the same, therefore it's confusing. Therefore we have to go into the city and do what the people of the city are doing. I saw the full moon with my eyes in the liver of the sky. And we talked sometime about the liver is uh, in, I'm understanding that in Morocco, you can say, when you say liver, you say it the way in English will say heart. So someone is your, your liver and you love them like your liver. And you can say that in Urdu, you can say that in Malay language. So hati, kaleji, livers are what in other languages we call the heart. So that is in the liver or the heart of the sky. And a speaker was saying, so this now becomes the inner voice, the inner voice which is speaking to interpret and understand the dream while he's sleeping. And a speaker was saying, the great shaking a messenger of God, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, did not settle down because of what was coming to him from God and what he was seeing. So it just kept going and going. And I awoke at that moment and wrote down the vision about this alighting place. <clears throat> and I was flushed with joy with what I saw. And Alhamdulillah, to God belongs the praise for all of this. <clears throat> and so in another place to help us interpret Ibn Arabi's interpretation, we'll go to other parts of the Futuh. This is why he, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, said, keep often to, O oh, you, the one possessing Jalal and Ikram, as one of the dhikrs to keep often to. So one of the dhikrs that we keep often to is, Ya Dhal Jalali Wal Ikram. So the one of Jalal and Ikram. And the reason that Jalal is associated with Ikram, so Jalal this this both of them, the exalted and the lower, and ikram from karam, and so honoring and respecting, is that they are that these are in the sayings of the prophet. They are always put together. 
This is so as to preserve the surface trace of the creature and not banish its entity. So Jalal and Tajalli, this radiant brilliance, makes one vanish unless there is ikram, honoring and respect, which allows the creature to continue, so not be wiped out. Then the Jalal, who is the Jalal of the Jamal, clothes you in all, so the station is revered. It is what the lover who is an Arif, someone who recognizes Allah everywhere, recognizes himself, that it is the magnification of the beloved. And he prefers the beloved side over everything. So God honors him because he prefers him over everything else. So back to Jamal of Jamal, when everything is beautiful, that's all very true. And you are worshiping Allah and you are loving what is beautiful, which is Allah. But from Allah's perspective, there can be a question. Do they love me because I'm beautiful or be, do they love me because I'm me? And so if you love someone who's beautiful, you have to interrogate yourself. You have to ask yourself, am I loving that person because he's so beautiful? Or is it because I love that person who happened then to be beautiful? So to be able to distinguish that is the, is the force of Jalal. Jalal helps us distinguish that, do you love the person because they're beautiful or because they're who they are? And do you love Allah because Allah is beautiful or because of who Allah is, which is the combination of the high and the low. And if you say, I, I love Allah for who Allah is, then you are honored because you have selected of all the beautiful things, you've said, I choose Allah. And that's an honoring. And so then you are, yourself are honored. Okay. And uh, yeah, to try to help us keep moving into this, this is, these are, those are all very much, uh, in a sense, universal uh, forces, universal experiences. Um, one of the experiences of um, is the is the sound coming across okay? Your 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 screen and your voice froze. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, I go ahead and, and stop video, um, but I can still see you. So wave frantically if this is not working. <laughs> okay. Now we're on stop video. That may help the freezing problem. So istilam is this extirpation. I mean, rooted out, rooting out something. So this is when we have all of the things that are beautiful and we're trying to say, do I love it because it's beautiful or because it's Allah? And so to, to make that choice is to enter into this Jalal place where you are going to be extirpated or you are going to extirpate. You're going to root out and so this is when you may go deep, deep, deep in a quiet, quiet place. And your breath is almost not there. Your heartbeat is slow, slow, slow. It's black, 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 black. You're entering, entering, entering into this blackness. And all the way down, there's one image that pops up suddenly. And that image that pops up suddenly is the one that has to be rooted out. So when it's rooted out, um, there's great pain. And Ibn Arabi describes Majnun Layla situation, Majnun 
when it's rooted out, he's saying, Leila, Leila, where are you? And, and, he, and his heart is going crazy. He's, his chest is hot. He's putting ice on his body to try to cool down. He's feverish. Love is burning him. Because where is she? Where is she? And then Abhi says, then she comes to him. And, he's, and he says, Leila. And Leila says, oh, this is the Leila you are calling for. This is the Leila you are crying for. And Machnun says, Leila, go away from me because you are distracting me from my love of you. So it's a very strange thing. But what it means is that when that has been extirpated, when that image, that's the deepest, last and deepest image is rooted out, then you don't want to have another image put in there because that image, every image that comes in will be burnt. And Istilam also means it's burning, be raised to the ground, burnt, rooted out. And so the consequence of that then is something very wondrous. And the consequence is that you have been able to separate all of the beautiful things, all of the curtains which are beautiful, and you have separated that from Allah. And so you have honored Allah, and then Allah will honor you. And so how that honoring comes, we'll look at that in a minute. Okay. The mystic guide opens the way, brilliant space surrounds the soul. The rose of light, its petals divine names, blossoms in the grateful heart. The mystic guide pours the true wine, his tears of love flood the world, his blessed face a golden Quran, shining as the rising sun. In your painful mystery of love, lovers find the cure for pain. Wandering through the desert of longing, crying aloud, Allah, Allah, drunk with delight, sends by men, eyes aflame with desperate love. Your friends cry out like Moses on the mountain, Lord, reveal yourself to me. My eyes are weeping with love's agony as I dance on the mystic way, possessing nothing, not even myself, crying out poverty is my pride. My direction of prayer is your face my victory banner reads all is he paradise is not my concern hell is not my anxiety you are what they praise at the holy kaaba you are what they seek at temples and shrines I am free from every religion, 
crying aloud, Allah, Allah. Strive to become the true human being, one who knows love, one who knows pain. Be full, be humble, be utterly silent, be the bowl of wine passed from hand to hand. Be the bowl of wine passed from hand to hand. We don't hear you, Shoaib. Sorry, thank you. So this extirpation is the, being laid waste. And so all of the, the deepest, deepest, last, last image is rooted out. And then anything that's coming in is burnt and burnt and burnt for this then to happen. So that, and this is the Jalal of the Jamal. So the Jamal of the Jamal is when everything is beautiful, everything is the same. Jalal is where the distinguishing comes. And at the distinguishing, to distinguish is very painful and continues to be very painful and it continues to lay you to waste. But then you are honored. And that's why Jalal and Ikram go together because then you are honored and you because you have honored Allah. So Ibn Arabi now will talk about these distances and closeness, what that does. So if it happens that someone divorces his wife and his love for her is lengthened and concealed in him, not manifesting on account of his extreme proximity to her, desire arises for her and he worries about her after she's divorced and he becomes agitated for her. On account of her remoteness, far from that extreme proximity before, desire and passion now connect to her so that the love which was latent is latent because of close proximity. When the distance comes, suddenly he's now worried about her and, uh, and is anxious for her and agitated about her. This is why the passionate one is annihilated in the stranger who is an object of passion, because he does not have this literal proximity which interposes between him and the one he is passionate for. Because of the proximity of the true to the hearts of the Arafin who recognize him by the verified, tasted knowledge they find, they are sober and they do not flail about madly with the confusion and ecstasy of the ones who love God. So once they have been laid waste and the last image has been extirpated, rooted out, then they see Allah as Jalal, which is the high and the low, and they choose Allah and they are honored for that. And then they are sober, they no longer flail about because they know Allah is close. So thus the complete one is in the utmost of sobriety like the messengers and they are the most complete and perfect of the tribes. Yes, their completeness is in the utmost of proximity manifesting in the completeness of Ubudiyah. They're a slave of God and slave of God. The of is this tiniest word that connects the two names. They're the slave of God. And because this tiniest of connection is there, they are connected. They're simply slave of God. 
And that is a tremendous proximity. And because of that tremendous proximity, they are then calm and they know that Allah is close. Since my heart became lost in you, every soul is longing for you. Since my mind became lost in you, every soul is longing for you. Oh, lovers, never, never abandon love, the beloved cry. Never, never abandon love, for love alone. Is Papango. Your cleanser alone shines through my eyes. Your breath alone flows through my lips. Your sweet perfume stream through my skin. Your love alone sings through my soul. Oh, lovers, never, never, I don't love the beloved cross. Never, never, I don't love for love alone is Papango. Thank you. So after this, tsunami lays to waste everything in you and everything has been rooted out, then every cell is longing for you. So this is the situation of Zuleika with Yusuf and, and Halaj, that every cell has this love because there is nothing else in there but this, this devastated, desolate place which has only room and reception of Allah. And so, and that moment, then the situation could be, you could say, this is so painful. This hurts so much. I just want to leave it all behind. No more of this devastation, no more of this fire. And the beloved then is saying, never abandon love, meaning don't give up now. Because once you had to become completely devastated in order for this Jalal, the high and the low, to be, un, to be experienced. And so then once that is experienced, the Jalal high and low, then the low and the high are seen to be what you love. And so you love the, the low and the high because everything has been extirpated, everything has been rooted out. And so I've been looking at that idea of midnight. So in the midnight, when there's no glow from either end, um, then go to the city and, and, and in this confusing time, when you can't, when everything is beautiful or nothing is beautiful in those confusing times, then go to the city, go to the outward law. That's your security. And then in the third part of the night, that's the time when you can begin to distinguish and Ibn Arabi said in the dream, this full moon, when the full moon has risen, 
then you can see the differences. And when you see the differences, you're then ready for Jalal of the Jamal, this high-low of what is beautiful. So Omar, if you could read the hadith for us. حدثنا عبد الله بن مسلمة عن مالك عن ابن شهاب عن أبي سلمة وأبي عبد الله الأغر عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه إن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال ينزل ربنا تبارك وتعالى كل ليلة إلى السماء الدنيا حين يبقى ثلث الليل الآخر ويقول من يدعوني فأستجيب له من يسألني فأعطيه من يستغفرني فأغفر له Your cherisher comes down to the sky of this world in the third remaining part of the night asking is there anyone needing something that I may provide it is there anyone turning to me that I may turn to them is there anyone asking forgiveness that I may forgive them Thank you. Okay. So, the, okay, so I'll need lots of thumbs up from Baki and Nora and Gloria and Patricia if this is working.
So I had two other songs that I had. And then this morning I said, no, we're going to put this third, this song on. And then in the midway, I realized she sang Jalalala. That's the one. It's the Jalal. <laughs> and, uh, and so one of, the re one of the ways that this, one of the things that happens is that people are having this extirpation take place. If they get wise counsel, their counsel, you know, don't uh, reveal the name of the beloved because to reveal the name of the beloved is to reveal something or someone who is low in the eyes of everyone else and high in your eyes, Jalal. And so to avoid that, you are taught to keep secret the name of the beloved. So, okay. So Hamida Noor will help us through the chat. Uh, hope everyone can access that way. Yeah, the first question that came up a long time ago is what page in the book is this? Can you give a page? Um, <laughs> yeah, book 18 and 19, pretty much. So book, well, book 19. So book 19, um, the chapter when he's talking about Ashams, the, the 91st surah. So early in book 19. And then the next question is, what and where is the fence in it? And can you go over the high and low of Jalal again, please? Yeah. It's more transcendent and imminent. Right, right. So the, the idea of surah, which is, and now in my translation, I'm no longer using the word chapter. And the editor said, you can't use chapter after you've explained that surah means fenced in area, because a chapter is not the fenced in area. So, and he doesn't want me to do very much Arabic, but this, he says, you've got to have the Arabic because surah is fenced in area. So fenced in area means this is a place where you go. And when you go there, it's a place that you alight, you rest there, you stop there and you are met by the one who meets you. So you're met by Allah in that place where you are alighting, where you are stopping to rest. So the idea of fenced in area is that you're going on a long journey and you go from this place, then you go out into the wild again and you come to another place and go out into the wild again and you come to another fenced in area. And the fenced in area of this is the Jalal. So, you notice that in the when we had the verses recited that these are these are oaths or these are you know swearing by and so Allah is swearing by things which are creation and so swearing by things that are less than him and so there so even though they are less than him they are showing who he is and so they are true they are true by being exalted and high, and they are true by being low and descended. And in the third part of the night, and for those people who are the lovers, Jalal names of Allah are the transcendent names and these comparable or similar names. So by respect, we don't say Allah is hungry, is the hungry one. Even though Allah says, I was hungry and you fed me not. 
So we could technically say, Allah, the one who is hungry. But by respect, we don't use that word, that name, even though he describes himself that way. And so the midnight people are ones who are saying, Jalal means only the transcendent names. And then they miss that the key to Jalal is that it's transcendent and comparable, high and low. And so this, when there's a confusion that everything is the same, the Jalal comes in and says, no, there's the high and the low. So do you love me because I'm beautiful or do you love me because I'm me? And that's very painful to get to the place where you can know that you love Allah for Allah, not because he's beautiful. And when you love that way, you have honored Allah and you are then yourself given honor. But you explain the last sentence you made in your talk, which was that you keep the name of your beloved secret because she or he is low in other people's sight and high in your own sight. Right. So if I say, and in this verse, we have the sun, we have the moon, we have the day, we have the night. And someone can say, you are talking about the sun and the moon. They're simply minerals out there burning or reflecting light. Um, how can you compare that to God who is transcendent and everything else? So even if I use something as huge as the sun, it's still low in comparison to the transcendental divine. And if I am a sun worshiper, then I'm saying I love the sun. Then you can say, are you worshiping the sun or are you worshiping Allah? Because everything in creation is Allah. And so to distinguish the two, I have to say Allah is, is, is transcendent and, and low and descended. And so, and so that's, for, that's for idol worships or worship the sun and the moon. Someone who worships the human says, this person is my beloved. That person is Allah. And yet everyone else will look at you who's not a lover and will say, that's just a person. That's just a human being like everyone else. How can you have such inordinate love for that person? And so that's why you're counseled to say, and then they'll say, you should be uh, you know, ashamed of yourself or they'll ridicule you or they'll do whatever they can to knock you down. Um, so therefore you don't get involved by saying who that person is, the name of the beloved. Arabi often refers to quote stations quote in his writings are these quote alighting places quote the same as quote stations quote yeah so the there there are there are some distinctions along the way uh, but stations are are places that you go and you learn certain things so stations in music are the notes that you play and certain things come out when you play those notes and if you play a different note, a different station, different maqam, then different sounds will come out, different emotions and things like that. In that, in that sense, the, the surahs, the, the, the places that are enclosed, have stations in them. And when you go to those stations, you hear a certain thing. And so there are certain parts of a surah, when you read them, you'll hear particular things and you'll have certain emotions that come from that. For instance, the one we just looked at, Ashams, 
the as the ha at the end. So da 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 ha da 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 ha, which is the feminine third person pronoun. So it's a very feminine and very and very open and very soft uh, emotion that will come from reciting that. And that's not the same as reciting from another place where you'll be bomb bomb bomb. And so. In, to that sense, these enclosed places enclose with them different stations, different maqamat. Um, Aicha Hind Rafai would like to ask directly a question. Okay, sure. Here we go. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you very much. Um, my question is I'm somewhat uh, puzzled by the name um, Al Jalil and the uh, Jalali wal Ikram. So Jalil, which does not come into the Quran, to my knowledge. And so instead we have Jalali wal Ikram, as opposed to, for example, Al-Qawi, uh, then we have Zul Quwati Mateen. So should, uh, Somehow, I, I'm not understanding how I should see these names differently. Mm -hmm. If you could help me with that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, so um, when you look at the, the midnight period and you look at the theologians and you look at many of the you know, Muslims who are in the midnight, uh, for them, when they see or hear Jalal, it means something that is rough, coarse, hard, difficult, and transcendent. But Jalal, the word itself, contains its own antonym, its own opposite. So Ajlala is to make, is to have something be coarse and hard and difficult, and Ajlala can mean making something easy and smooth and flexible. So it contains the opposites within it. The key to understanding how these opposites function is to see that the dhikr that we are told by the Prophet to keep often to is the dhikr of Jalal and Ikram. So that is the two are the distinguishing of the higher and the lower, that Allah is both high and low, so both transcendent and comparable. And then to recognize the Jalal, to recognize this, this uh, opposite is to honor Allah. And then to honor Allah, is ikram. So you are honored and Allah is honored by that. And so uh, the, what Ibn Arabi is telling us is that Jalal contains these opposites and that we don't know how to work with these opposites until we understand that it's about ikram, to be honored and to honor Allah. So Jamal of the Jamal is when everything is beautiful because Allah says, I am beautiful, I am beauty, I love the beautiful things, I love the people who love the beautiful things, and that's all then at the same level, it's all beautiful. And so the people of the midnight say that's confusing, that if everything's beautiful, then I'm confused. And so they're told, go into the city for safety and follow the outward part of the law, and then you will be able to handle this confusion. For those people in the third part of the night, or the, or the lovers, they're the ones who are getting a jalal of the jamal, means that everything is beautiful, but if the jalal comes in and separates and says that this is, has a high and a low, and so there is, so by extirpating, rooting out everything that's beautiful, every image of beauty and every image of beautifulness is to take out and have this 
desolated, laid waste place. And in that laid waste place, Allah can then manifest with Tajalli at Jalal, which is high and low. Um, the Arafines tend to prescribe duas for certain situation. Is this related to what you said about the quote notes? Yes. So, so in the sense of maqam as as notes as healing. Um, so in in Turkey we still have the the that the music for different kinds of therapy, and so that music has an effect on the spirit and the psyche and and so on, and so this. Uh, so, so someone who knows you, who's a Hakim, Hakima, someone who knows who you are and what you need, that person then can prescribe to you those things that you need. Um, you, you may need softness, you may, may need harshness. And so they'll know which of the duas to give to you and which of the dhikr to give to you. If beauty is seeing the divine in things, then what's the difference between loving the object of love for its beauty or loving it for itself? And if beauty is not as, as said above, then what is it? So, uh, and so that's, so when you love what is beautiful, you are loving Allah because Allah is beautiful. In the same way, when you worship X, Y, or A, B, or C, you're worshiping only Allah because only Allah is receiving that worship. So we may think we're worshiping ABC, a rock, a tree, or person, when actually we're, our worship is going to Allah because there is no God but God. So all of that is from, is from one perspective. The other perspective is that when Allah looks at us and, and wants to know, am I being loved? And so that's how all the people who claim to love Allah are tested. And they're tested by saying, do you love me for the good things I give you, which is a perfectly valid reason of loving Allah, or do you love me for who I am? So whatever I give you, you still love me. And so that's, that, that's, the, that's the question. And so the Prophet ﷺ gave us both paths. One path is love Allah for what he does in nourishing you. And so that's what we call that nature-based love. And then Allah says, I will love them and they will love me. So before they love him, he loves them. And so if I, can, if I love Allah before and without reference to what is being done to me of good, then I can say, I love Allah with divine love or spirit-based love. Can beauty be rationally known? Uh, well, in the sense of, of ratio and proportion, so that one part of beauty is this ratio, idea of ratio and measurement and rationality. So people who are well proportioned and have nice ratios with their, in their face are beautiful people and the rest of us aren't. So. <laughs> um, and so, but the other idea that comes out is that when you really love someone, you can't even tell whether their nose is big, small or whatever. And so that's love. Uh, that's the divine-based love or spirit-based love is that you're not based on their rational beauty or what they do for you, but for them. And so the same way if that this Jalal separating the high from the low, I can't just say, oh, look at the sunset. So beautiful. Allah, I worship Allah. Or look at that tree. So beautiful. I worship Allah. This is to say the high and the low induce in me the love of Allah.
So things that are are daily or not very interesting. And he's calls the wiping over the shoe and the wearing the gloves for warmth. Those are very, you know, small, trivial, lowly things. But if you can see the tremendous exalted transcendence of Allah in wiping of the shoe, which is such a simple and, you know, lowly thing to do and wearing gloves for warmth, if you can see that, then you know that you are worshiping Allah as Jalal, high and low. Is it possible for one to experience the Jamal and Jalal, the beauty of the beloved, without the process of uprooting the self through destruction of radical love? Well, one would hope so, but I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. And that's and that's like when I look at my children or you know people that you know like you know good friends, and I think you know, oh, wouldn't wouldn't it be wonderful if they had the experience of the Jalal of Allah? And then that's that's basically saying, wouldn't it be wonderful if their whole life fell apart and everything was laid to waste and they were completely desolate, and then they found out that they love Allah. Yeah, the answer is good, but the process is pretty tough. So I'm not sure. I don't think so. But if you Allah, can, all good luck to you. <laughs> Allah is beautiful, and the prophet mentioned that in some tradition. But this name, the beautiful, capital B, was not listed with the other beautiful names of Allah, like uh, Al-Jalil. Is this because there are some other names synonymous to the beautiful, like Abadea? Yeah, so so this is this this is where um, and and our brother Saleh in, in Yemen is he's, he's kind of dealing with the people who are in the midnight and in the midnight there's a very careful discussion of what is a divine name and any name which seems to be less than transcendental transcendent is is uh, rejected and anyone and so and so what's interesting is that Ibn Arabi will say that he's not going to say that Allah is called the delighting one, even though Allah delights in things, or the hungry one, even though Allah says, I was hungry and you fed me not. That's only by respect. But the truth of the matter is that it, those names, those low names and the high names are equally the Jalal of Allah. And so the Jalal name of Allah is the one that is the higher and the lower. And of course, it's the Hadith Qudsi, where the people of the midnight have the greatest trouble. They have difficulty understanding how Allah, and they'll think, how does Allah have characteristics that we have? Like we are delighting, and we are amazed, and we wonder. And all of these Hadith Qudsi verbs, they're really our verbs, they say. And Ibn Abi says, they're not. They're Allah's verbs. All of these names are Allah's names. Hungry, delighting, rejoicing nothing like him, exalted beyond, all of those are Allah's names, and we borrow them. So we borrow them whether we're borrowing the transcendent names or the low names. It's still ours as we, as we borrow. And the word tahalluk is to borrow these names is the same as to dab, uh, dab uh, perfume on your body and your clothes. That is how we take them on. They're not ours. So Ibn Arabi is telling the people of the midnight that all of the names are Allah's names, they're all Jalal because they have these both opposites and none of them are our names. We borrow them. And so that completely changes the way you look at the whole thing because suddenly it's not you and me here and Allah transcendent over there. Suddenly it's Allah everywhere 
And so that's why when these people start singing these ilahis and say everything is beautiful, the people of the midnight says, what is with these confused people, these mad Sufis on the mountains? <laughs> um, is it safe to say every single name contains all the others? Yes, and that's the other one that uh, Ibn Arabi says that, that the theologians, the people of the midnight that he's kind of around, they always are trying to say that there's a zat, this essence, and then the other seven names, the six plus one names are around them. So high, living, and uh, speaking, knowing, powering, desiring, that all these names are then separate names, which are then additional to the essence. And Ibn Ami says it's not that way at all. The essence is the speaking in the same way she is the hearing, in the same way she is the knowing, in the same way she is the desiring. And so that's when we took that strip that has no that has only one surface, and we could see that in a in a strip with only one surface, there the outward is exactly the inward is exactly the outward. There's not an outward part of the strip over here and an inward part over here. When you are going on the outward and then you come back, you now realize you're underneath the outward. You realize that the outward is exactly the inward in the same way that it is the outward. And so that can, that's why it's good to physically, and I really encourage this, physically take these strips. You twist it once, you tie them together, and then you realize that the outward is exactly the inward. It's one surface. And yet you can feel that now I'm on the outside, now I'm on the inside. But even though you can feel that and experience that, you have to be able to see that in, if it's one surface, then the outward is the same as the inward. So who is the first in the same way she is the last, in the same way she is the outward, in the same way she is the inward. A related question, does the high and the low apply to all divine names? Well, in, in, this, in one sense, that the idea that, that when they come to this screen and are projected into this world, they're projected onto sites of being. And these sites of beings are themselves low. So we can say that when the name comes, it has the low aspect and the high aspect. And so we can watch how these low and high aspect, aspects relate. And that's why we forever, we don't say the name of the beloved and we don't point out the places that are low, which are also divine. And Ibn Arabi uses the idea of aura, that the, it's the part that has to be covered from some people's eyes. So he's saying they're verses of the Quran that have to be covered from people's eyes because they will read these verses and not understand what's truly happening. So they'll take the low without the high or they'll take the high without the low. This topic made me think. Can the cam see it? This top. Oh. Did you Sorry, want to I didn't interrupt you, Hamida. Did you want but, to ask uh, a question? Um, yes, I was oh, going Andrea. to ask. Yes, is that not considered the sifat or the adjectives, the tanzia um, or tashbia, that which is the majestic part and the ones that are the lower that we relate to, that we can relate to him. But in all things, we even the tashbia and tanzia, the high and the low, we relate to him as one. Right, right. And so the, and so what becomes so 
painful and difficult is to be able to see the high and the low as, as one. And so that, and that's why the Jalal of the Jamal is this painful but very beautiful process of, of seeing that those which are transcendent and those which are, are commensurate or comparable are in this ein wahda, in the single entity. Absolutely. And the, and the, and the caution is, to, is that when, when, when you think everything looks the same and are confused about that, then one way is to then say, okay, we're going to be in the midnight, so let's just put everything in the transcendent. And that's one way to deal with things, is to say that Allah is only transcendent. Um, and so, the, and the other way is to say, I'm not in the midnight. Things don't all look the same to me. I can make distinguishing, uh, I can, there are distinguishing marks and those distinguishing marks can show me the truth of these polar opposites as one being, yeah. Um, this topic made me think of what actually means to love oneself, which is fully embracing both our qualities and also our defects, rather than denying these or hiding them. As we accept our imperfections, we drop the mask and shine through. Right, yeah, and that's, uh, that if Allah wanted to make all of us look conventionally beautiful, we would all be conventionally beautiful. If Allah wanted all of us to be guided, we would all be guided. If Allah wanted all to be in one religion, we'd all be in one religion. So the variety of religions, the variety of, of looks, the variety of experiences, this is what is loved by Allah. Otherwise, he would have made us all exactly the same. And so this variety, and that's why um, in, in the, these great, the great poets, then they see this and the, and the lovers speak of that. Um, the thing that, is, that seems so small or insignificant becomes magnified. So that's Jalal. Something that seems small and insignificant is magnified and honored. Um, so you can have poetry where you look at this part of the neck and you just write 10 pages of poetry about this part of the neck. And so that you, you enter in a different world. And we also see that with uh, conditional, unconditional love. You see that, uh, and some people will have that experience with the mother-child relationship where the, the child is just beautiful and you can't, and other people might say, oh, what an ugly kid. But, but the mother says, no, that's the most beautiful kid there ever been. And so when you say that's the most beautiful, and so Ibn Arabi has that great you know, poem from the Arabs that is that uh, everyone thinks that his beloved is the most beautiful that has ever walked the earth. And so, and that's it, because that's true. And it is true. And so, and it would not be true if the person were conventionally beautiful, because then you're loving them for the conventional beauty. So it is something about to understand the true self that I am made this way. And if Allah wanted to make me handsomer or less handsome or any of those things, then Allah would have done so. But I am made a certain way so that I can be that reflection and that image, which is different from the next one and the next one and the next one. And because they're different, the infinite is, uh, begins to see more and more constrained finite uh, beings. And those constrained finite beings are the ones which begin to, because they're so different, begin to help the infinite see infinity. Um, Ali Rahman would like to say something, Shuaib. Yes, please, please, please. Assalamu alaikum. Shuaib, uh, in relation of Zoljalali Balikram and also whichever face, uh, whichever direction you face is my face, 
everything will perish except my face. The relationship in these two also, everything will perish except my face. Is that the loving servant? Yeah, yeah we see, we talked about that yesterday at our, at our UK session. Um, the, the, the verse understood as, as everything will perish except my face or its face or his face. The its face would then refer to the thing. So everything will perish, but the thing's face, which then is understand, understood by the Allah looking at the image and the image is this is at the mirror and the image comes out. That image, its face will never disappear and perish because this face will never disappear or perish. So it's both, it's both my face and Allah's face, and neither one of them will perish. My face won't perish because it is Allah looking at the mirror. And then Allah's face won't perish because Allah will not perish and everything else will. So the, Ibn Arabi takes that verse and opens it up to both the, the, the pronoun referent is both Allah and the thing at the same time. And then you get Jalal because my face is a low thing, but it's the face of Allah at looking at the mirror, so it is a high thing. So the very thing which is a low thing, my particular face, will not perish because it's also the high thing. And so that's why when you look at, well, I won't say look at my face, but if I look at your face, I see the low face, which is yours, which won't perish because it's the image that Allah is looking at the mirror. And I see the high face, which is Allah's face. And I see them both at the same time. And that induces a love, which is far greater than loving anything, which is always, they're all the same or loving only the high or only the low. In a way that's uh, uh, everything will perish except my face. That's the, what the lover goes through that everything is perishes and it's, is yeah. that. And once everything perishes and the tsunami has left everything desolate and devastated, only then the next image that comes is the image of Jalal, which is high and low, right? But it can Thank only you. come because everything has been laid waste. Thank you. Um, on a slightly different subject, if you cut the Mobus strip once more, you get two interlocking complete circles. Is that something meaningful? Uh, no, when you cut it, the first time you cut it, you get one circle, which has four sections. And when you cut that a third time, you get two interlocking strips. Very important. So you know, back to the drawing board. The first one has one surface. The second one has four sections. And that four sections we looked at as the, if we're, if we're looking at, the, at that as the normal Muhammad, it's the invisible, visible solar Islam when he's born in, when the Nur of Muhammad is born in the body of Muhammad. And then the invisible, which is the time we're in right now. And then the visible, which is the last day when he's the interceder of all perfect humanity. And so the four are there. And then if that one is cross-sectioned and cut one more time, then you get the interlocking two strips. So it's very illustrative. It's an amazing uh, geometry. So just a comment of appreciation. The more I'm getting into your lectures, the more clarity I'm getting. They're building on each other integratively 
Alhamdulillah, and thank you. Okay. Um, and Sarah uh, says she couldn't listen to the answer to her question because of some internet problems. Are you on, Sarah? Do you want to ask uh, the question again? I think that's Salah Mokbel in Yemen. Oh, Salah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll try I'll try to uh, email after this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and Yemen then, is yeah difficult. <laughs> then we have notions of wasatia or moderation is central in Islam. Where do we situate destruction in this case? Should it be something which we avoid or should we embrace, seek it to attain higher stations? Right, so that's the, one, the place that in the dream, Ibn Arabi is told that when the full moon is rise, has, has risen, so the full moon is rising and you are in the two beautiful gardens and you're safe and you're secure. And that is when you are looking at the face of Muhammad and then you are receiving the light of Muhammad then you are in two beautiful gardens and you are safe and secure. But if it's a midnight and there is no moon, and so you are, and, and we have this historically in, with, in, as human civilization, or we have it hist historically in your own life, if you are in the midnight time without that light, then, and everything begins to look the same, then you are told, go into the city. And so going into the city is go with the community, go with the majority, go with the outward law. And that's how you can be safe if you have no light and if the moon is not shining, okay? And so there really are two approaches. The one in the third part of the night, you are intimate because Allah is in the third part of the sky of this, of the night in the sky of this world, so close. And you can see the light of Muhammad more brilliantly than people could see when he was alive in solar Islam, which is, and so when you are in this position, you are bathed in the full moon light and you're in a different situation um, than if you are in midnight when you need, and the thieves are coming. Um, anyway, connected to the Janus image in Greek mythology, well, yeah, so uh, the, the, I was just, we were just going that, that translation, uh, hypocrisy in, in Islam, munafiq, is based on the, the, the little animal that goes into one hole and then comes out to another hole. And so the word two-faced in English works well with that idea. So you're one way to someone and you're another way to someone else. So that's the idea of two-faced. And Ibn Arabi will have a very complicated description of how this is an amazing, wonderful thing, but we won't go into that because that, is, that gets a little bit detailed. But there is something about what face you present to different people. And uh, in most places, it's something that's a terrible thing to do and we're warned and counseled not to do it. But there also are places where it is a good thing to do. For instance, when he says, when, you, when someone hears, I was hungry and you fed me not, then you need to cover that up for them. Because the next, the interpretation is, well, the person then says, if I, how can you be hungry? You're the Lord of the worlds. He said, well, if you had visited and fed this hungry person, you would have found me there with them. If you had visited this sick person, you would have found me next to him as a doctor's next to the sick person. That's when they made home calls. Uh, and so that is, that's 
that's there, but that has to be covered up from some people who will then say, oh, God is a physical, corporal, you know, has, has a body and gets hungry just like we do and, and can be misunderstanding the things. From that person, you cover those up and you say what he means is that don't you know that when you visit a sick person that doctor is next to and Allah is the doctor. So that's what you tell one person. The other person you say who can understand you say Allah says I was hungry and you fed me not. I understand. <laughs> and then you go for it. Does this suggest that in the third part of the night we should ideally not live in cities but in rural areas? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, we should live in Creston and Las Vegas, New Mexico. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what we I think what we find is that we often are uh, living in secluded places. Even you can be in the middle of New York and still be in a secluded place. Uh, people can have their own communities. And so I think this happens just, that's, that, that it, that's what happens, that we, those who are safe in the full moon, they have their community and that community is in a sense, you know, their, their city, it's their, it's their integrated city place. Um, and so that, I think that happens. And, um, and so, so how do they handle, so when they, when they do the outward part of the, the law, they're actually doing the inward part, which has an outward consequence. So in other words, they're praising Allah and the way they're praising Allah is through a salat or a salawat. And so, and so these kinds of, that's, that's how it works. And so they're doing the one because of the, the inward, the outward because of the inward. When if you're without the moon, then you do the outward even, be, even though you're not in, you're not being induced by the inward, and so you're you do the outward because the inward is not is not there for you, and so one does the outward, and then one is safe. The people of the full moon or the arifun do they also need to go into the city and follow the law, i.e., perform salat, zakat, etc. Yeah. So this is why I think that that. The inward induces and, and creates something that creates an outward manifestation. So the outward law is done by means of the inward so that you want to and you feel worship. So you express that by an outward form. Whereas the people going to the city in the midnight is to go to the city is to say, I don't have the inward part, so I'll need to stick to the outward part. Did Ibn Arabi quote it as at his Isawi phase? Uh, no, well, so this one is, is, is um, you know, when he's writing the, in the last three years of his life, he's writing all this down. Um, yeah, no, I mean, he, he absorbed all of these, uh, the, the prophetic teachings. And so um, in the, Maybe in other writings you can see things, but in the Futahat, it's all uh, it's all been integrated by the time he's writing these things down. I meant that I was hungry part. Uh, you quoted it multiple times today. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was hungry, you were not there. Right, right. That's what I was yeah. referring to. Yeah, yeah. And the, well, those are the th those those uh, that those are in the three uh, traditions: the mosaic, mosaic tradition, or Moses tradition, Musa, Le Salam. Isa alayhi salam and Muhammad alayhi salam. Uh, all of them in that in those traditions that comes out in all three. So it's it's absolutely fascinating to follow that and to see um, what it meant uh, for all these three traditions. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Beautiful. 
That may seem arrogant and egotistic. Aren't we lights ourselves, reflecting the light of Allah? Going to the city may serve a purpose of spreading compassion and healing. Yeah, well, there, there is that, um, that once this light is emanating from you, then what is, what is your, what do you do with that? And some of it is, then it is of service to other people. Certainly that is, and that is to, to bring uh, recognition to, to, to humanity as perfect humanity. That's why Ghazali returned to the city literally and spiritually. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then Al Jazeera the, in the, I guess, is the 18th or 19th century with Ibn Arabi, he said that he had an opening that got him from A to Z, you know, from the Al Aleph to the Omega. And he then said, I spent the rest of my life going one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And so, uh, so this is part of, part of that, uh, how you integrate that is what your outward uh, behavior is. And Ibn Arabi is forever telling us that you do this, the outward behavior is important. And so there isn't the going off and never coming back. So if you've gone off, so if you're in the middle of the ocean, he says, you're of no help to yourself or to others. And so come stay close to the shore. And then he says, watch the prophets of Islam. They always are close to their tombs. They're close to the shore to help other people. And, uh, and so Ibn Arabi uh, kept saying that, 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 and that's why you know the, the ones who are mad with love and, and crazy, they're, they, at some point, they're not of any help to themselves or to other people. So they to come back to the shore and to be sober as the prophets and the messengers are. And Ibn Rabi himself um, uh, is known to be very close to his tomb, that people very often can know that he is close to his tomb when he could be roaming around wherever he wants to be uh, in that vast earth. He probably roamed the vast earth more when he was sleeping in this world than after his death, when he is close to the tomb to be a service to people. Um, Ali Rahman, I see that your, your hand is still, do you have another something to say? Maybe he's not still on. No, that's, uh, that's the only question. I okay. should lower. <laughs> okay, great. I guess that's it. Good, very good. All right. Well, thank you for being here. It's wonderful to see everyone. Take care.